Welcome to Managing Marketing, a weekly podcast where we discuss the issues of importance to marketers and business people everywhere. Today, I'm sitting down and having a chat with George Hauer, who's the Growth Director at social media marketing agency, Attention Experts. Welcome, George. Thank you very much, Darren. Please be here. Um, Attention Experts. It's a terrific name. Because isn't that what uh, everyone's trying to achieve? Exactly. So, hence the name. Yeah. Because we are, um, you know, people talk about an attention economy. We are competing with the attention of our customers, aren't we? Pretty much. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, especially in the realm of, well, it's anything like business, politics, whatever you look at, it's all about attention and how can you attract attention. The one that has the most attention wins really at the end of the day. So in itself, attention is a commodity. It's interesting because the last couple of weeks I've been to a few marketing conferences and everyone keeps talking about the shorter and shorter attention span. Yeah. Uh, but then someone will always point out it's amazing how the same people that we say have the attention span of a goldfish uh, are also binge watching eight to ten hours of net, the latest Netflix, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, short attention spans, but a velocity. <laughs> or, or is it because sometimes they're not willing to put their attention into poor quality content? Perhaps. Yeah. It's uh, an issue, though, for advertisers because, yeah. you know, we hear all the time advertising is becoming harder and harder to get people's attention. Right. So what do you think is the benefit of social media? Well, the best thing about social media is it's like watching TV or going past a billboard, so above-the-line marketing, but you can attract or store the data of everyone that looks at that or touches with it or engages with it. And that is the attraction as a marketer to use social media. So I can create databases of anyone that that engages with that piece of content. Right, and what do you mean by engaging? uh, Scrolling past it in their feed or uh, actually stopping and looking at something? So when they click on it, when they visit a Facebook page, when they watch a video for more than three seconds, when they visit your website off of social media, content, we can store all those people into into a database. So, George, let's go back a step. What do you see as social media? Are we talking about paid social or all social? Are you more the social side or the media side of social media? I mean, mean, it's all social because social media in itself is both your organic and paid, and they can't work without one another. The algorithms on all the platforms, especially with the big algorithm change Facebook made in January last year, was really to combine both page and pa- uh, sorry organic on the page and paid um, social together to create a score for a personal profile or, or a business profile to then extend their reach as well. So um, the issue you had with Facebook before was that when they were just doing paid only and not concentrating organic, their, their um, content turned to rubbish. And what it led to was lower engagement activity on the pages. So mm. uh, Facebook had to change all that. And so have all the other platforms now, Twitter and LinkedIn. And- it's actually interesting that you should put it that way because I do remember when uh, Facebook went from just almost purely organic yep. to heavily paid. Yep. In fact, the only way brands could get any sort of uh, reach into uh, into the platform was if they were paid. Right, it was a pay-to-play space. Yeah, yeah. And, and of course, you know, anyone in media could tell you when you do that, when you fill up the platform with paid ads, 
it's not going to be very good content. Is no, it? and and that's what happened in two thousand and seventeen. Facebook, you know, when I talk about Facebook, I'm talking about Instagram yeah. and Messenger and so on. Um, got to a point where you're just getting BuzzFeed, you're getting clickbait, you're getting fake news, all paid marketing to you uh, that had no real quality or relevance to you as an audience member. Mm. And Mark Zuckerberg ended up getting this feedback and he ended up doing a listening tour around the world uh, to about 15 different countries and sitting in auditoriums with people, with people and saying, what do you think? And then he got all this feedback that was like, we, we hate Facebook at the moment because it's crap, the content we're getting. So you have to change everything. It's funny, isn't it? Because the story of Facebook is all about connecting communities. Right. And yet it's almost like in com- rushing to commercialise that, especially after the IPO, Right. they then immediately went down the path of advertising. Absolutely. I mean, you throw in a few stakeholders in there and then the company values at a half a trillion dollars, then all of a sudden paid becomes the most important part of your platform. Yeah. So he had to wrestle that back. And I mean, him being the founder, it doesn't mean he has full control of the company, but he controlled what he could have. And that was the newsfeed side of Facebook. Well, I think he's got preferential shares as many of the uh, technology companies have. Right. So he's probably got more uh, control over Facebook than uh, some of his uh, shareholders have who sure. have more shares. Yeah. Um, it's interesting, though, isn't it? Because uh, there seems to be a new social media every couple of months, isn't there? I'd say the latest for me is TikTok. Everyone yep. seems to be talking about TikTok. Yeah. What do you think about that? You know, it must drive... Well, it would be a challenge for you guys keeping up with it, but it must drive yeah. marketers crazy trying to keep up. I mean, it's really interesting. I mean, there's over 250 social media platforms at the moment with over 3 million active users per month, right? Wow. Yeah. How many? 250. So you've got everything from industries like gaming to human resources. And yeah. So all having their own platforms. Um, there's one here in Australia called Gamer, and it started about uh, three years ago by a couple of Australian guys. They've just reached 4 million active users a month worldwide. So mm. um, there's a lot of platforms out there we, we've never really heard of. But um, what I'm interested in is the business side. So how can we create ROI off, this, off these platforms? And the way I'm looking at TikTok right now is it's another Snapchat in that disposable income sitting at a lower, uh, it's not much disposable income, it's sitting at a lower age group, a lower demographic. So, um, and they have no real business platform for it. So am I taking it seriously right now? Not necessarily. Um, if they can bring out an infrastructure for business, it'd be amazing. It's interesting because I think you're right. There's definitely a younger demographic uh, using it, certainly mm. posting on it, and, but you're starting to see older people on there. And the other one is the uh, what do they call them? The uh, the older male stalkers, you know, oh, yeah, that are, that are on there because every so often you see a uh, TikTok uh, young woman saying things like, "Hey, all you old guys, you know, over thirty, stop hitting me up. I'm only seventeen, you know, that type of thing. It's a bit, it's a bit weird, actually. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Yeah." <laughs> But but you think that'll evolve? Has Snapchat Perhaps. evolved? Not really. So you had the issue with Snapchat. Well, in my observation, not really. Yeah. Um, in I mean, you had the issue with um, Facebook tried to take it over a couple of years ago, as most of us know, and then they said no, and uh, then Instagram came out and started Stories. So Facebook just went, okay, we'll just do Snapchat our own way, and we started Instagram Stories, and it doubled the Instagram uh, active users per month, like in 12 months. And Snapchat since then hasn't really evolved to a business platform where they can really give value to businesses the way Facebook can. So Facebook's underlying platform, the business platform, it sits on the advertising, the, the audiences, the 
the pixel, everything in, embedded in that platform is the true value of the Facebook platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, LinkedIn's trying to go down that way. Uh, Microsoft making some big uh, investments in there. Snapchat, not really. And they're not really, I mean, it's it's a micro company compared to someone like Facebook. It's, mm. It doesn't have the resource to really push it. And they haven't really come up with a solution for the way they present content that is really tangible to a business yet. Now, there's one that uh, you haven't mentioned. It's interesting because I personally think it's an absolute sleeper. Yeah. You know, it's flying under the radar. And that's Pinterest. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Pinterest. Because it, you know, it has people that are really passionate. I mean, Absolutely. the users of Pinterest yeah. are so engaged, aren't they? Absolutely. So you, it's massive in North America. In Australia, there's something like 350,000 active users on Pinterest. But they're so engaged. Um, how I got involved in social media was I had an e-commerce company. Uh, herbal tea company. It was the world's first workout team. We we're marketing to 19 to 45-year-old females. And a lot of our sales are coming out of Pinterest. And Interesting. Yeah. And, and Pinterest posts and content, organically, I think Pinterest is, a, is one of the best profile um, platforms out there to make something go viral organically. Mm. Um, the ability to repin and all that sort of thing. People really get into it, but it depends on the industry. I mean, you're not going to really do that as an accountant on Pinterest, but if you're an arts and crafts or a, a diet company or, or uh, food, food, you know, foodies, yeah. foodies seem to be very big. They, they uh, love it. Home, home chefs, home cooks yeah. uh, are enormous. Fashion is unbelievable. Absolutely. Look, the reason I say that is because, you know, I'm one of these people, I've got this natural curiosity. So every time there's a new platform, I always jump on board. Pinterest, I think I was in there the year it sort of became common. Mm. Um, and I'm still getting notifications now. Someone just repins up. I haven't pinned <laughs> I haven't pinned anything since you know, I first jumped on there. <laughs> but it's amazing how active yeah. the content that you put on there it can goes, be. Yeah, just it goes a long can... way. It goes a long way. Pin, pins go a long way. Um, yeah. Like uh, with Amaze T, like I, I, that business was bought off me, but... Um, I go in and double check every day. And they're still going organically in terms of posts that we put on back in 2014. I mean, Pinterest is fantastic. And then we've got uh, China, and I'm not sure how involved you are with, you know, like the WeChats of the world. Yeah. I mean, because WeChat's amazing to me. Oh, I find it so fascinating. It's very interesting. Yeah, because a lot of people mistakenly think that China copies Mm. the rest of the world. Mm. But in actual fact, you know, it's only now that Facebook's talking about Libra and developing a uh, currency right. for you know Facebook, but uh, you know um, WeChat basically started with a payment platform, right. and then built a social media messaging and everything on right. top of it, didn't they? It's a mutated version of Facebook, and it's in the reverse of yeah, exactly how you've said it. Yeah, it's so it's so interesting. WeChat, I, I, I'd study, it and I think it's where Facebook will be. Uh, obviously, you know, and it's something you've just basically mentioned. It's going to be, it's where Facebook is in the next five or six years, you know. And um, it, the only thing that's stopping Facebook is the heavy regulatory environments that Facebook operates in versus China. 
Um, so WeChat has a lot more flexibility. Isn't, isn't that ironic? Because yeah. you've just said that uh, the West has more regulations than uh, the Chinese, and yet you know people go, "Oh, Chinese! The Chinese government is uh, heavily regulated." After sure. all, this is the country that borders the Great Firewall of China. Yeah, you know, that stops a lot of uh, people in China right. accessing the uh, the Western social media platforms. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like anything within China, especially on a social front. Uh, if it has an ability to collect social data, uh, we'll have a lot of freedom, I think. Um, yeah. uh, while in in the West, um, I mean, social data collection is seen with a lot of contempt. So mm. I think that's the real difference when we're talking social platforms. And also the, um, the payment gateway that's built into WeChat yeah. uh, also fulfills a societal need, which is it starts to eliminate cash. Right. I mean, when you're in China, there's almost no one. Everyone just has their mobile phone because they I can know. pay for anything from food on the street to you know, virtually anything uh, using WeChat. It's so it's so interesting. You know, there was there's a particular there's a video done by New York Times on WeChat and how it's used in China, and it, it gives a scenario of a guy walking down the street, walks up to a bike, pulls out his phone, scans the QR code on the bike rides a bike to the uh, restaurant where he booked it on WeChat five minutes ago before he got on the bike. The restaurant knows he's arriving because they're tracking him on the mm. way to the restaurant. When he arrives at the restaurant, there's a picture with his name on it on a screen telling what table number to go to. Yeah. His meal's there waiting for him because they know he's just arrived. Um, and then he leaves the restaurant without paying the cash register. It's all paid on WeChat. Then he lets his mates know on, on the review button through WeChat how good the restaurant was. Yeah. It's just such a good platform. It's so and good. And there's a car waiting outside to pick him up. Right. Yeah. It's, it's so, it's so fat. And a lot of people would think that's scary. But as a marketer and someone that's interested in that, I find that so fascinating. And I think, and, um, you know, as long as it's used the right way, I think it's, it's such a benefit. It's a value add. Now, let's go back. Uh, you mentioned LinkedIn. It's mm. interesting because of it, it's the B2B, isn't it, uh, social media platform? Yeah. yeah. I mean, a lot of people see it that way. We, we have seen success with a B2C front. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yes, it's predominantly the way it's been set up as a B2B platform. Okay. Well, uh, what type of applications would you recommend uh, using LinkedIn for B2C? So, I mean, a lot of high-end stuff, like uh, if you're looking at fashion or, or Christmas gifts, things like that, like uh, a lot of niche type stuff that is, is targeted at executives, uh, professionals and so on, um, it, it does have traction there. I mean, um, if you're a personal, um, you know, uh, someone's got a personal profile on LinkedIn mm-hmm. and you've got a brand such as a fashion label, that caters towards people of a certain demographic. LinkedIn can be extremely valuable to you as a as a um, marketing platform. Mm. So it's it's dependent upon the demographic, obviously, but it can be used in a B two C context as well. Yeah, because uh, I've noticed on LinkedIn whenever people start to drift from a sort of professional or business interaction, and I'm talking about not from a marketing point of view, but more the interaction of people. Mm. Yeah. So even things like when people start sharing things about their children, sure, 
or when uh, you know there was the complaints. A lot of women were saying again, people were uh, you know treating it like a dating. You know, it was the Tinder of business <laughs> uh, and things like that. There is a strong reaction against sure. that. So I imagine as a marketer, you'd have to be quite careful yeah. about the way that you participated. Absolutely, Darren. Like it's it's really that um, communication style that you come into the platform with and to the audiences. I mean, if let's go back to like let's say you're a high end fashion business that's called, you know, basically um, tending to a higher demographic in terms of income. Um, you wouldn't go to LinkedIn the same way you would on Facebook and communicate it the same way. You'd, you'd come in at an angle of maybe promoting your business and the strength of it and so on, and then getting the, the touch points of that and collecting the interests of that to then drive traffic towards your store from a branding perspective as a business leader in that field. So an opinion leader in the area of that fashion uh, industry. So that's sort of a, a way to look at it in terms of the B2C context. George, I think you've started to reveal your strategies because uh, <laughs> this is the second time in this conversation I've, got, I've detected that uh, one of the ways that you go into a social media platform is really almost to test it to see where people are and what the opportunities are. Because you talked about you know, the number of engagements or the number of views. And before you even really develop the strategy is that right well what well you need to test absolutely and uh i'm more than happy to share any, any strategy i'm very open um i mean it's it, it really do need to test i've got a mathematics background so uh, i i look at data and that's what i drive my strategies on is data so content isn't first it's data first then content follows that so if i can achieve a certain amount of touch points or um, engagement off a platform using a certain communication style and, and I know that delivers a touch point that's valuable and can lead to further down the funnel with that audience member then that's that's definitely the strategy the starting strategy mathematics yeah interesting yeah do you also like music I, 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 not as deeply as other people's Perhaps, but I, I do like music, yes. No, they often say that uh, mathematicians uh, get a, a interest in music because oh, both of them are a similar language. Yeah, I've heard that before, yep. yeah. Yeah, interesting. So what got you, so I've got to follow this, what got yeah. you from mathematics into uh, developing herbal teas and selling it yeah. on Pinterest? Yeah, I mean... I mean, that's quite a quantum leap. It is, and I actually started in investment banking. I was a currency trader. Oh. Okay. 2004. So, so the story, cut a long story short, basically um, I was at a, a large investment bank uh, while I was still at uni. Uh, I just wanted to go straight into the industry. Um, and then I left the industry and started an education business between 2005-2010. Uh, that business was bought off me. And then a friend of mine um, approached me to help him launch a fashion label in the U.S., so um, I went over to the US, help him launch it. Basically, within a couple of days, being in New York, we ended up meeting a guy who claimed to be the head lawyer of Ralph Lauren. Mm-hmm. Ended up in his office, presenting him a, his my mate's jacket and his board table, and he actually was the head lawyer of Ralph Lauren. And his office was in the Rockefeller Center. Um, and we ended up in LA, putting this jacket on consignment in one of the biggest men's urban stores in LA called H Lorenzo. Five minutes later, Usher walks in, the performer, picks up my mate's jacket. So the brand's called Daniel Patrick. Picks up Daniel, uh, my mate's called Dan, uh, Daniel. So he picks up his jacket, puts it on, walks out the store, performs with it that night at the BET Music Awards. 
I'm like, okay, how do we tell everyone about this? I've got the photo of Usher wearing his jacket. I need to tell as many people as possible yeah. the cheapest way possible. Instagram was just bought by Facebook in 2010. I'm like, that must be a great platform to be able to push it out if it's got a lot of press. So I gave it a go and within two weeks, we're in a Lenny Kravitz studio. We're at Will Smith's house giving him a jacket. We're partying with P. Diddy and so it's just... A crazy story. And that, that is an amazing story. Yeah, and then that, that brand pushed off and that brand's now worn by Beyonce, LeBron James and so on. I was, I ended up being bought out, out of that business. I ended up starting a herbal tea company when I came back to Australia. It was the world's first workout tea. Yeah. I come from a rugby background, hated t- taking chemical-based workout supplements. So I came up with a tea that you can take to the gym. It's got brand chain amino acids in it and guarana and so on. Um and that ended up blowing up on social media, um, on Instagram mainly, and Pinterest. And uh, the target market was 19 to 45-year-old females. I was born out in 2016. I was being approached by uh, not-for-profits, you know, government agencies, multinational companies to help them with their social media, consult them. And I was like, I might as well start an agency. So that's how we started Attention Experts. So that's the story, yeah. Really interesting because, you know, what what's the big difference between you and other agencies is that you've actually done it. Sure. For yourself. Right. You've only put, you've put your own money, your your best friend's uh, business yeah. and everything else through that to yeah. actually prove the concept. Absolutely. And, and, I, and that's what a lot of, like, when I sit down with clients, I know what they're going through, I mean, especially like SME sector, um, cash flow problems and so on and what their anxieties are about a campaign. Um, so I, I know what they're going, I can usually say it to them before they say it to me, and, or if they're not gonna ever say it. I know what they're thinking. Um, so I've been in a lot of scenarios they've been in. Uh, where I really cut my teeth on social media was the Maze Tea product mm-hmm. uh, and that company. And that's where I learned about the data and all the mathematics around social media and how do you build a great campaign using data, so. Well, that's true because when you think about it, Daniel's success sort of happened. Organically, yeah. And then you had the opportunity to amplify that through uh, social media, through Instagram, Correct. right? Yeah. that's right. Whereas the tea, you were starting from scratch, I imagine. Correct. It was all launched through a Facebook ad. Now, you said before that, you know, uh, the numbers, the data yeah. is the starting point. Yeah. Um, and yet the industry, and I'm talking about the advertising industry, including social media, yeah. is obsessed with the content. Content, yeah, and it, it frustrates the hell out of me. Got and to why say. is that? Because that is such, if you just go in with content only, you're going to be running on a treadmill. It's like you don't really understand the mechanics of social media and the algorithms and so on and what actually pushes that content out to the target audience at a velocity that will get you somewhere with with your brand. So being able to put the content out at a good strategy and understanding what to do um, and using the mechanics of the platform is the most important part of working with social media. Um, You know, you wouldn't put a billboard ad on a road that has no traffic on it. It just Mm. doesn't make sense. So the same thing with social. You need to be able to attract the right audience. When I say the right audiences, it's not just about putting in the right interest groups. It's also knowing how Facebook distributes those audiences as well, or LinkedIn, how they distribute it. They don't deliver the best quality audiences to you straight up as soon as you start a campaign. Mm. Their, their, uh, their real estate, like Google has real estate as number one position on, on Google is they protect that. They want the best link there to give you the best quality. Mm. Social media, its currency is engagement. It doesn't exist without engagement. So they've got to protect the engagement of its best audiences, the ones so that they've convert. got to work. You've got to work as a brand. You have to prove yourself to Facebook before they're going to give you those best 
best quality, the ones that convert properly, the higher quality ones. And when you say prove yourself to Facebook, you mean prove that you're relevant, interesting, engaging. Got it. All of those things. Yes, you're you're getting back to um, messages on time on your page. You're yeah. you're filling out your tabs properly. You're about our stories filling. You're changing your cover photo every couple of months. You're on the page side. You're consistently putting content up, and you're responsive. You're doing content that's relevant to them, and it's not just likes, comments, and shares they're measuring. They're also measuring if they stop on the newsfeed, or if they're clicking on it, or their photo views or video views. And then also, what are you doing on the page side? Are you doing things that People are engaging with. So your CTR rates and so on are very important there. The combination of those two is how Facebook rates you. And if you're, and then if you do that for just two weeks, Facebook's not going to give you the traction because you're not consistently doing it. Yeah. So. so it actually rewards consistency. It's not just uh, short-term performance. It's actually long-term Absolutely. delivery. Absolutely. Because, um, and Mark Zuckerberg said this in his press uh, release last year in January when he changed the algorithm. And that is by far the most important press release Facebook has ever come out with, um, more important than a data breach. And he said in that that consistency is what is going to give you uh, traction. We're going to favour people who are consistently um, going for relevant engagement with their audiences. That's really interesting because the other thing we often see from traditional marketers mm. and their agencies mm. is a campaign mentality, isn't it? Right. Where they'll do Project. a burst of activity. Yeah. And, and, you know, for six weeks, 12 weeks, and then nothing. Correct. Absolutely. And, and, it, and it just doesn't work on Facebook. Like, I've been to a number of companies and large companies where they're doing boosted posts. I put a couple hundred bucks on it or a couple of grand on it on one post and then see how it goes. And then stop it after three weeks and go, oh, that didn't work. Mm. I mean, it's just, that won't work for you. It's not, that's not how it works. Mm. So, yeah. I mean... With TV, like any other marketing channel, you need to accumulate touch points properly in order for something to work as well, to get someone to a point where they're warm with the brand to drive conversion. Mm-hmm. You can't do that on a, on a campaign three-week basis or something like that. It just won't work for you. You need to have consistent... It's okay to have a campaign, but you need to have consistent campaigns that are back-to-back in order for you to have a, a channel that's going to work for you. And that's how Facebook looks at it as well. So um, we started off the conversation talking about some of the different platforms. Does each platform have its own uh, algorithm or are they largely all the same? Because as you said, they're all about engagement. They all want to have content on there that's going to engage their particular audience. Yeah. Or are some more more sophisticated than others? Good question. I mean... Absolutely. So very interesting. I just had, I just came out of a meeting with um, someone that was talking about uh, LinkedIn strategy and organic strategy. Um, and LinkedIn actually poached that strategy in terms of how to push, push out organic posts from Instagram, which is Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, so two years ago, two, two or three years ago, what you could do on Instagram was within the first 15 minutes of post going up, you start getting a group of people to like it and comment on it and it'll push the reach out. Right, and yeah, because the momentum, momentum, yeah, yeah. yeah. and and Instagram because the algorithm changed, it doesn't work anymore. But LinkedIn took it and have applied it on their platform. So there is differences in the algorithms between platforms. Um, however, they're starting to all morph into the same thing because Facebook really is the market leader, it is best practice for for this thing. When you talk about sophistication, Facebook is by far the most sophisticated. By far, so of the of, uh, soft, of, uh, the social media platforms, yeah. yeah. So in terms of collecting data, 
terms of being able to cultivate audiences and so on is by far the most sophisticated. So the rest of them are looking at it, going, okay, we're much smaller, but how do we build the same infrastructure that Facebook has? Because Facebook doesn't just have Facebook and Instagram. It's also got Messenger, which is built on the WhatsApp yes, uh, infrastructure. Course, yeah. so, so the infrastructure of it is, is very strong and very sophisticated. Mm. Yeah. And um, how would you recommend uh, a marketer actually engage? Because I've seen too often uh, social media end up become more media mm. and less social. Yeah, yeah. Um, and to the point that it's almost like just an extension of their normal marketing plan. Yeah, and it, and it becomes something where they think they need to just be doing it. Well, they're just buying reach. They're just buying, like yeah, They're extending right. reach, you know. Yeah. Here, this media will get this, you know, um, on-demand video mm. will get certain reach. So we're just trying to maximise our reach and social media is just another way of getting further reach. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, it, it really is about value add and your content. If I mean, if we, we're going to talk purely about content um, and, and I'm the last one to just say it's purely about content it's, as we've discussed, but if you're to talk about it in that way, it is value add. So the things that create engagement on the content side with social um, are things that are inspirational, they're relevant and they're valuable. Um, and you can go into the context of social media as in social content um, but if that social content is not relevant to the audience, it's not valuable to them, mm. it's not engaging or inspirational or controversial, um, then it's not really going to create any traction for anyone. So I don't really look at it as if it's social or not. I see it if it's in those three categories. And that's just a human thing, I think. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Donald Trump, controversial. But he's controversial on purpose because it creates touch points for him. It creates normalcy in his audiences mm. that see him as eventually becoming president, you know. So controversy is fantastic in terms of building brand. It is interesting when we have a uh, the most powerful, arguably, politician in the world yeah. uh, issuing uh, policy statements by Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> and let's talk about Twitter because, you know, yeah. Twitter is one of those platforms that, you know, it runs hot and cold. Uh, you know, people talk about it as being an incredibly powerful yeah. social media. Mm. And yet uh, I think advertisers really struggle with it, don't they? Yeah. I mean, it's a different platform, again, in the way it's being used. It's mainly used by your celebrity, your personality, your politician, your journalists. Yeah. So your journalist will get a lot of his information or his or her information from Twitter and then publicise that in the, in the news platform that they're, they're publicising on. Uh, but for business in itself, it's very limited. Um, one, because the platform is not sophisticated enough. And two, the, the limitation on content um, really restricts. It's great for businesses, uh, if they've got the resource to do so, to use it as a surveying tool or poll tool mm-hmm. um, in getting feedback. It's great for that. But in terms of return on investment from an advertising campaign purely on Twitter, um, we've never really seen anything that works in that strategy, yeah. I think also, you know, it's it, there's a lot of accounts. People, a lot of people have accounts on Twitter, mm. but I don't get the feeling that the activity is as high as it once was. Yeah. You know, there's a sort of core user base, and that the type of user base would have to be part of who you're trying to um, reach anyway, That's or right. engage anyway. Yeah, I mean, if you're a PR firm, Twitter's fantastic for journalists. Yeah, they're yeah. all on there. Absolutely. 
They all send messages to each other. They're all looking out for what politicians... Politicians do and and companies do a lot of announcements on Twitter. Yeah, old school, yeah. I mean, it is the old school platform. I mean... Bizarre, isn't it? It is. I know. I know. Someone told me the other day that the Bleslow Cup has never been publicised on social media as Australian winning it ever on social media. (laughs) And, I mean, we're talking about old school Twitter and stuff. It's been around, what, 12 12 years? I mean, it's... Just fascinating, but um, the the thing with um, with Twitter is, yeah, it is. Dying. I mean, if you look at the numbers, um, and there's a there's a great data um, uh, um, source online at socialmedianews.com.au. They they publicise numbers each month, and um, Twitter's retracting in terms of the numbers, it's mm-hmm. declining active users. So yeah, it's definitely it's core base, like you said. There's there's a real core there. Yeah, that's right. What do you think of the, um, you know, you've mentioned algorithms and there's a, a growing criticism about uh, serving to people the content mm. that they like, actually creating these sort of um, uh, bubbles yeah. of existence. Yeah. Uh, what, what do you think about that? Because you can understand from a business point of view, they want mm. to give people more of what they want and what they're engaged yeah. in. Yeah. But does it come at the trap of they end up just only hearing the things that they want to hear? Yeah, I mean, I, this is this is a funny topic. I, I get this gets brought up in my Sydney Uni lectures quite often. Um, people talk about it, and I mean, from a sociology level, it's it it's people. Yeah, sure, I can understand it's concerning, but from a marketing level, it works. Yeah. I mean, you look at the CTR rates. If you do it to a targeted audience, it's seen. I mean, the CTR doesn't drop. Mm. So until it stops working, it's just going to be continually used. And now you've got the talk of car companies using digital radio to log in. So as a user, you log into Facebook on your digital radio, and the only ads you're going to get on radio now through your car in the future are going to be personalised to you. And mm. um, the world's going towards a personalisation thing, and people might say, "Oh, that's scary," you know, and the whole tinfoil hat thing, but. At the end of the day, that's what people want. Well, and also people are inclined, you know, it's human nature for like attracts like, you know. That, that's people right. fit together in their little click groups. That's it. Know? Um, having an outsider bringing a, uh, a uh, counter point of view often disturbs the social harmony. Yeah, that's right. I mean, and it's not true that you can't get outside viewpoints because you can still target people on a fresh basis with an external campaign that they may have not engaged with before. But would you do that as a marketer? I mean, no, because that's a bit silly. I mean, you're not really going to get traction unless you've surveyed that market and they're interested in that. Um, but you wouldn't go to, let's say in politics, you wouldn't go to a left-wing audience and publicise a conservative viewpoint. This wouldn't work. Mm. You'd get a lot of controversy, a lot of negativity from that. Of course, yeah, yeah. you'd actually alienate people or just outrage them. Correct. And people seem to get outraged very quickly on all sorts of things. Right. Um, just on that point about, uh, you know, how effective <coughs> that is by, mm. by the algorithm playing to what people want, mm. this is really a marketing media, isn't it? I mean, it's a way of people participating and doing what they want, but that's really to capture an audience that you can then yeah. commercialise. Absolutely. I mean, the Facebook IPO was all based on their database. They weren't advertising at that point. Mm. Um, it is the database. I mean, if we move away from social media, let's look at Uber and Netflix or some of the OTAs, online travel agents mm. like Bookings.com. They're, aggreg- they're aggregators of data. They're not, Uber's not a car share car- company to begin with. It's a database company. Mm. 
its real value is the databases it accumulates. Um, it made a net loss last year. Uh, however, its valuation continues to increase because of the database. So. Okay, so on that basis, you would agree with the um, the position that Facebook is a technology company mm. and not a media. Facebook is the world's biggest media company without creating any of its own content. So it's a platform for media. Right. Yeah. But it's not actually a media company, no. even though most of its revenue comes from advertising. Correct. I mean, I, I would I would say it is a media company. It's a platform. It's a media company, and it, it's a platform for media. Same way, um, you could say news.com.au is a, a media platform company for its journalists that publicise articles on mm. there. I mean, it's it's a media company, um, but also a media company that has a platform that allows others to publicise content onto it. Well, it's like uh, out of home, you know. They have media, they have spaces, right. um, but they don't actually make the content. The right. advertiser puts the content in yeah. and they're still media companies. Yeah. I, I so mean, on that basis, you know, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, uh, if you're selling advertising, you're actually a media company. Yeah. I mean, they're competing against Channel 9, CNN, Channel Seven, Netflix, right? That's We're competing. Well, we and this is where we started, which is you know, ultimately everyone's competing just to get someone's attention. Correct. Yeah. The one thing that we have less and less of, which is time. Yeah. And so uh, it becomes more and more a valuable uh, commodity to actually be able to get. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, uh, the the interesting case study in the last two years was uh, Channel Nine with. Um, the merger with Fairfax and that its market caps dropped uh, drop from like 1.8 billion to 800 million um, in the last couple of years. And, and I, I I do, like I said before, I, I have a, I do lectures and, and one of the Channel 9 executives was in my lecture. And they were talking a couple of months ago about how there's going to be this Facebook comp- competition coming out from Channel 9, which is an online platform where you can go in and create your own TV ad, schedule it and put a budget behind it like you can with Facebook ads. Right. So it is, they're all competing in the same space, which is media attention. And Facebook, I, I guess you're, the way you've put it is, is correct in that it is buying and selling media. Um, it's media advertising. You've got to pay for that. Um, it's a platform for media. So yeah. it is a media company. Yeah, I'm, you know, I agree. It's a technology company in that it uses technology yeah. to create, and they've used it to create a platform. Yeah. The technology to your point, it's got an algorithm yep. so that the type of content that's actually delivered to people mm. increases their engagement in it. Mm. But then they're selling that engagement through creating opportunities for people to advertise, right. which then makes them a media, media company. company. Yeah. Because even though they don't create the media themselves, same as YouTube doesn't create its own media, in fact, very few social media companies do. That's right. But they yeah. have to own up to the fact that they're a media company yeah. with the same responsibilities that any media company own. Yeah, and I, and I think Facebook have been hit with that in the last couple of years, and, and it's you know take up on face, fake news and all that sort of thing. Mm. Um, and I think yeah, it, it is an interesting point you make, and and back to the the slogan I sort of said at the start is as biggest Facebook is the world's biggest media company without publicising any media. It is. Mm. In its essence, a media company, um, but for the benefit of shareholders and the market in terms of investors, it's much more probably PR-wise better to say it's an IT company. 
Well, there's also a legal uh, reason to be a um, IT company. That's a, that's a good viewpoint. Okay, because yeah. if I'm an outdoor company and I have that space mm. and I put up advertising that is either misleading, deceptive, or is um, uh, against the moral code, mm. I'm responsible as the media, mm. right? If I'm a TV station and I run ads that are misleading or deceptive, Mm. or immoral mm. or um, uh, offend the general population, um, I'm responsible, mm. right? But Facebook's not responsible. Mm. In fact, legally, they've managed to um, fly by saying, well, we're not the media. Mm. We're a technology company. Yeah. yeah. And one of the things that <clears throat> really bugs me is that the number of scam ads mm. in my Facebook feed, mm. in f- and, and all you can do is you go... I want to report this. And it, all it says to you, why do you want to report it? Because it is misleading and deceptive, mm. right? Yeah. And they say, not that they'll take it down, we just won't serve it to you anymore, but they'll serve it to the millions of other people mm. on the platform. Mm. Now, to me, that's immoral. And if they were a media company, they would be held responsible for it. Mm. Because there was scam ads for R.M. Williams boots. There were scam ads for heaps of other. And when you report it, they do nothing about it except stop putting it in your feed. Now, if they were a media company, the ACCC would drag them through court and they would be paying millions and millions of dollars because the media company is responsible for Mm. the advertising that they run. And yet Facebook, because they go, oh, we're a technology company mm. out of Ireland yeah. for tax <laughs> purposes, so we can't be held responsible for the content. I'm sorry. Yeah. If you're a media company and you're making your money out of advertising, it comes with a responsibility. Yeah, yeah, I 100% agree. I, I think it's going to be a big issue. I, I think the only reason politicians are not doing it is that they are scared of the power of Facebook. But also, the mechanics of it is quite hard. You've got Facebook that... You know, they're, they're such a big company, they can weave their web any way they want globally and, and avoid and dodge certain things regulatory-wise. So, I mean, the recent uh, the recent recommendation uh, from the inquiry into Facebook and Google, I mean, Google's the same. The ACCC I mean, report, that, yeah. Yeah, um, Google's the same. I mean, Google will take no responsibility for its placement of, of articles or whatever. It will say, that's a third party. Yeah. Um, and the ACCC report um, recommendation was to break it up in Australia. Now, can you stop an internet, you know, provider? You can't. It's it's very, very. But here's hard. here's the other reason. You know, every other media exists because they're given permission to be a medium. Mm. Like you can only be a publisher mm. if you're willing to take on the rights of a publisher. You can only have a TV license. If you take on the rights, you can only run a radio station right. if you're given part of the frequency. Right. So what they could do is turn around to Facebook and go, you can operate in Australia, yeah. but you'll be held to the same standard mm. that all other media are held to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare because advertisers can load ads into Facebook. In fact, I tracked down some of these scam ads. Mm. They're out of Singapore. And yeah. out of China. Oh, yeah. 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 So, you know, there's not many uh, advertisers, scam advertisers trying to run ads on Channel 9 at the moment that I imagine. <laughs> I mean, and, and Channel 9 wouldn't do that because it's not good business practice either. And, and I mean, regulatory-wise, they can't. But I think what Facebook... Well, they'd lose their license. They'd lose their license. But but it, it, what Facebook, I think, is coming to... And I'm not a, obviously not a spokesman for them. No. Um, 
but like what Facebook would come into the realisation of is good business practice and what I can observe is good, good business practice is better for the company. So, um, you know, the algorithm was their first step into that. That mm. ca- happened, um, you know, as a result of bad feedback and then they had that Cambridge Analytica issue and then mm. um, the inquiries. And, and now as an agency, we run many campaigns daily uh, that are all live at once. We're getting pushed back on ads for the slightest incursion and the slightest mm. misstep in, in, in communication or uh, one of our companies is a large alcohol company like if you have anything that insinuates that you are trying to advertise target to children or, or underage or, drinkers yeah or, or, or encourage alcohol yeah drinking um, they 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 will stop it and they've brought in they've invested in a large manual review team I think they've got 15,000 people that review ads and content manually mm. uh, worldwide Um they, they understand. I think for any business, um, good business practice is the f- is what's going to help their business grow. Well, even, even for you as an agency, yeah, you, know, you do the best by your client. Yeah. The best by the client is not necessarily doing bad business practice, mm. but you'll always be effective within what is an acceptable behaviour, wouldn't Correct. you? Yeah, absolutely. Because you want to be here next week. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and you need a good case study, and you want to. And, and with Facebook, they want that user saying, "I love, yeah. I love using of it." Of course. Yeah, and, and and like, yeah, I, I, for me, it, I'm not like social media as a social media agency. I mean, for me, I, I just want good practice. And if if the agency turned, I mean, sorry, if the industry turned to rubbish tomorrow, I'd put my shingle down. It, it's not a place where I want to work in a toxic sort of. Atmosphere and it won't exist, it won't survive mm. if it is. So, um, like I said before, the main currency of social media is engagement. If people stop engaging, then it just won't exist. So, so uh, attention experts is the company, George. Yeah, um, so people listening to this should be getting in touch if they feel like their social media is not working as hard as it should be, huh? Absolutely. Yeah. Look, we've run out of time, but yeah. I really appreciate you uh, dropping by and sitting down and having a chat. I appreciate you your time, Darren, and thanks for having me. Um, just one last question, and that is, uh, you know, you must have a view, but out of all the things coming through, where do you think the next big social media opportunity is going to be for advertisers? Mm-hmm.